This is America on the Road, winner of the International Automotive Media Conference Gold Medal Award for Radio and now in its 26th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. A new safety study finds that pedestrians need to be wary if they are near SUVs and pickup trucks, and we'll tell you why coming up. And in the midst of the chip shortage, Volkswagen is committing a huge amount of money to vehicle production in North America. We'll have the details on what that could mean to you. That's coming up too. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. California save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at MercuryInsurance.com. Hi, I'm Jack Nered, and with me is guest host Matt DiLorenzo. Chris can't be with us this week. Chris Teague had a death in the family, so our condolences to him on that. He should be with us next week, though. Matt is a, a buddy uh, of mine forever and ever, a fellow North American car the year juror and a longtime friend. Matt, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate having you with us. It's great to be here, Jack. I hope you'll have fun with this, Matt, and I'm sure you'll do a terrific job. We used to do a, a little podcast ourselves uh, not long ago, several years ago now, but uh, it's still in my memory. This week, we have a terrific guest. Our special guest is Jim Morrison, head of the Jeep brand in North America. Jeep, uh, Jim lives and breathes Jeep, and he will tell us how the uh, brand intends to move forward in this era of increased electrification. Is the world ready for an electric Jeep? Well, we'll find out about that. Uh, I, Matt, you might have an opinion on that, too. That I may. Yeah, you may. We'll find out. In the road okay. test segment, Matt, what vehicle will you be describing this week? I'm going to talk about the uh, Toyota Prius Nightshade Edition, a, a hybrid that doesn't get much love. Ah, well, maybe you loved it. I have a feeling you might have. And uh, I got a chance to drive something quite different, the uh, 2022 Genesis G80 Luxury Sedan. That included a trip to Santa Barbara and back, so I got a lot of quality uh, quality time in the Genesis G80. Some unquality time, too. A lot of uh, stop-and-go traffic on that drive. But uh, before we do any more of that, though, we'll bring you some of the most important auto-related news from around the world. So stay with us. We'll have that for you coming up. With Matt DiLorenzo, this is Jack D. Red with you. And uh, thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road. This is Jack D. Red with you, along with guest host Matt DiLorenzo. Uh, Chris Teague not with us this week, but he expects to be back next week. So we look forward to that. Meanwhile, we have the genius of Matt DiLorenzo with us. And uh, talk about a great industry observer, uh, longtime expert on cars, uh, Great to have him with us. And here's a story I want you to comment on, Matt. Uh, I, I found this almost amusing, I guess. This is a study from the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. And they say that SUVs and pickup trucks are more likely to hit pedestrians when they're turning. Hmm. They did some statistical analysis to figure this out. And the numbers are kind of uh, stunning in a way. Uh, this is... Um, on left-hand turns. Compared to a car, they found that the chances of an SUV performing a left-hand turn and killing a pedestrian crossing the street were twice as high as for a passenger car. And uh, the probability of uh, a fatal accident with a pedestrian is three times as high in a minivan or a van and four times as high in a pickup truck. Uh, what's, what's your take on that? I think uh, two things. One is physics. 
and size. Um, you know, if, as much as the um, high up, well-vaunted uh, seating position is of these vehicles, uh, it's great for seeing other vehicles, but I think seeing things like pedestrians and bicycles and low objects, it's much more difficult. So I could see um, a scenario where you're making a left turn, you're just not going to see somebody and you're going to run into them. And the interesting thing about it, too, is the size of the vehicles. You know, these full-size trucks and SUVs are getting bigger and bigger. They're almost the size of uh, what we used to call heavy-duty trucks. And, um, you know, somebody's not going to flop up on the hood of a low car. They're going to they're gonna go underneath. So, um, yeah, I can, I can see where this is the case. Yeah. They really attributed, uh, they being the uh, researchers at the Insurance Institute for uh, Highway Safety, or IIHS, attributed to poor visibility, uh, maybe mm. large A-pillars too. I mean, the, the front pillar that's uh, between the windshield and the side glass could be thicker on these kinds of vehicles and thus uh, makes it a little difficult to see. It's interesting to me that the SUV does better than a minivan where you would think that the visibility out of a minivan, a, a bit lower, maybe closer, uh, would be better, but that didn't appear to be the case. Yeah, that could also be a, um, a situation with the A-pillar and a shorter front overhang on a minivan as opposed to, um, you know, like a midsize SUV where you have more, a more traditional hood out front. You might have a little bit better visibility uh, forward. But uh, I definitely think it's, it's probably related to the, the thicker A-pillars that you have on all vehicles. Yeah. Well, and as you mentioned, uh, these vehicles are getting bigger and bigger. A full-size pickup truck is just massive. A mid-size pickup truck is about the size of a full-size pickup truck of 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, here's a story, and I, I love your comment on this too. Volkswagen is planning to invest $7.1 billion over the next five years in North America. They're going to add 25 new electric vehicles here, including the ID Buzz, of course, the... Uh, electric microbus uh, replacement, I guess, or the, the uh, carry-on vehicle to the ID, uh, to the microbus. The much-loved uh, Volkswagen van, I had a Vanagon back in the day. Uh, I drove to college in it, which makes me, I guess, uh, kind of a, a living cliche. But uh, what's your take on all that, Matt? I'm, I'm really excited to see the ID buzz because it is a, it is, um, a different kind of vehicle. You know, minivans haven't been cool for a while. This thing will be, you know, functional like a minivan, but it'll be electric. So I, I think it's going to be a, a bona fide hit for them. The question I have is about 25 electric models. And, you know, this is a discussion that I think is, is being glossed over is unless they build affordable EVs that cost south of $40,000, um, they're not going to be successful because you look, you know, in a 17 million car year, at least half those vehicles are 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 less than you know the the average uh, transaction price uh, of about forty five thousand dollars. And if nobody's building those vehicles, nobody's going to be driving EVs. You know, right now there's only seven or eight vehicles by my count, electric vehicles that cost less than forty thousand dollars, and everybody is 
pitching these, you know, $50,000 and right. higher. Well, and that's with base TV. prices too, Matt. I mean, that's not a, yeah. a loaded vehicle. Uh, oftentimes they're kind of squeaking in under that target by uh, just a few dollars. And then when you put the stuff on it that maybe a lot of people really want, uh, it gets much more expensive than that. And I, I think there's some reliance on the fact that there's going to be this $7,500 tax credit, but not everybody yeah. qualifies for the tax credit. Uh, certainly lower income people won't qualify for a $7,500 tax credit. I mean, uh, we've basically been subsidizing uh, rich people's purchase of really expensive electric cars for the past 12 years. Uh, yeah. I, for I, I for whatever reason, that's what we've been doing. Well, that $7,500 tax credit goes away. I mean, already uh, uh, GM and Tesla uh, can no longer offer them because they passed the 200,000 unit sales threshold for EVs. You know, and, and the thing I was just thinking about the other day, you know, the, the auto industry was not built on the success of Cadillac. It was built on the success of the Model T. And until a affordable electric vehicle somewhat akin to the Model T comes along and, and appeals to the mass market, this EV dream just ain't going to happen. Right. And you would think that Volkswagen might be thinking that way. Certainly Volkswagen, the people's car, uh, very inexpensive car back in the day anyway. They expect 50% of their U.S. vehicle sales to be fully electric by 2030. This according to Scott Keogh, who is a friend of the program, has been on the program several times. Guy I like, but I think that's wildly optimistic. What's your take on that? I agree, and I, I think the thing that's been then been making their uh, day has been the SUV sales. I mean, the Atlas has been successful. Uh, they have the Taos now and the Tiguan. So you know, most of their sales are gas-powered SUVs. And that's where the money is right now. Right. And they will have electric powered vehicles in those segments. But as you point out, they're going to be more expensive. They're likely to be more expensive. I mean, maybe we'll get a day soon, maybe by mid-decade. Again, I think that's probably optimistic. Where they will be in price parity, we should get uh, electric vehicles that are in Taos, Tiguan, and Atlas uh, right. size size ranges. Uh, but still, the idea of getting rid of their combustion engine vehicles, their typical gasoline, conventional gasoline engine vehicles by early in the next decade. So about 10 years from now, I guess is what we're looking at. I think that's maybe a, a dream more than a reality. Unless they know something we don't know about the much vaunted battery breakthrough that's always been about two or three years away. Right. Uh, who knows? Yeah. That's like the end of the earth coming from global warming. It's always like <laughs> 10, 12, 15 years away. You know, that's the other thing is they've given, you know, it's been 40 years since it's since these predictions of global warming. Why can't they give us 40 years to transition away from internal combustion cars? How come it seems like they're in a they're in a mad rush to do it in like two or three years? Right. Which well, talk, isn't going to happen. Yeah. Well, talk about a mad rush. Apparently, a lot of. Uh, car dealers are not wild about uh, President Biden's uh, plans for boosting EV sales. Uh, this is, comes from the Automotive News uh, Dealer Outlook Survey. Of course, you used to work for Automotive News back in the day. They surveyed almost 200 dealers, and uh, dealers are really not happy with the current administration at all for inflation, the high gasoline prices, the government regulation, and this whole idea of, of charging 
ahead on EVs, but maybe before the market is ready. Uh, what's your reaction? I, I think that's uh, that's a case. I mean, right now here in California, certainly six dollar a gallon gas is has given um, quite a bump to EV sales and EV interest. But still, there are a lot of people who an EV just doesn't make sense. There isn't charging infrastructure if you live in an apartment. And I think dealers realize that if excess EV production steps up from the manufacturers, they're the ones who are going to be left holding the bag with cars on on their lots that they have to pay for. Um, so I could see where they, they have a bit of concern over, over the future of the market. Yeah. Well, a uh, good analysis. And when we come back, we will be doing some road testing. We're going to be looking at the uh, Toyota Prius Nightshade Edition, very suave. And the Genesis G80 luxury sedan. So stay with us for that with Matt DiLorenzo. This is Jack Nierad with you. And thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with guest host Matt DiLorenzo. This is Jack Nierad with you. And it's road test time. We're excited about the road test vehicles we have, although they are very different from one another. Matt was driving the Toyota Prius Nightshade Edition, perhaps the coolest Prius of all time, if that isn't an oxymoron. And I was driving the uh, Genesis G80 luxury sedan. But Matt, tell us about the Prius. You know, Jack, it doesn't seem that long ago, around the time of the Oscars, that the Prius was the car of the stars. Leo DiCaprio driving it to the Academy Awards. And everybody had to have a Prius. Well, now... It really isn't that much the case. You know, they've had a redesign of the vehicle. Some say the uh, styling is a bit uh, polarizing. Um, you can get a hybrid and everything from a, from a Corolla to a Venza. So the Prius just doesn't seem that special anymore. And it doesn't get a lot of love. But I thought I'd get behind the wheel and see, is there anything here to love? And in a way, uh, I did. I, uh, I actually drove it up to uh, Carmel and back, which was about a 740-mile round trip. And I uh, was making 50 miles per gallon both ways consistently, um, a lot of freeway driving over 70 miles an hour. And uh, that's impressive at a time when we're seeing gas prices at five and six bucks a gallon here in California. Well, and so. I think the thing that's interesting, too, is getting that kind of fuel economy when you're driving on the freeway, because that isn't necessarily a, a hybrid strong suit. I mean, really, that's just good fuel economy based on the fact that the gasoline engine gets pretty good fuel economy. It, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with the, the fact it's electrified does it that's for sure but uh also it helps you know the the the, the hybrid helps with the uh, uh starting and stopping and if you're in stop and go traffic the engine turns off so uh, but nonetheless i was i was amazed at the mileage um it's very comfortable and you know this nightshade package actually gave it a little bit of sex appeal it had black wheels and black uh uh, exterior accents like the the mirror caps and door handles and and it's not an expensive option. I, these nightshade additions, which you'll see on a lot of different vehicles, adds anywhere from eight hundred to a thousand dollars to the price of the car. I mean, it makes it look a little uh, a little spiffier than than the standard car. Uh, the thing I really um, liked about the the Prius is that you didn't have to think about it. I mean, you drove it had everything you needed on 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 the car it's not meant to be 
a canyon carver or anything like that. It's just good basic transportation. It doesn't cost, you know, more than it comes in at right about $30,000, which is a, a relative bargain in a market that's seeing average vehicles going for about $45,000. So um, it represents good value. I think my only uh, couple of little complaints about it, it had that adaptive cruise control with the lane centering and I could feel the car kind of ping-ponging back and forth between the lanes while it you know was trying to figure out where the car was at some times. And also another feature of um, of uh, hybrids and other uh, high fuel efficient cars that they run really high hard tires with low rolling resistance and I got a lot of tire noise um, from uh, from the uh, freeway pavement. So I, I mean, another thing they do is they take out a lot of sound deadening or they don't put in a lot of sound deadening because they want the car yeah. to be as light as possible. So uh, a lot of times it, I think a Prius is in, in the past has felt kind of tinny. Did you experience yeah, you got, that? Yeah, you, you get a little bit of body boom. And, and like I said, the tire noise. And um, so but that aside, I mean, and it, it, if you were just using this thing as a daily driver in and about town, you get exceptional fuel economy and and it just does everything that you need a, a, a compact car to do. Yeah, I think it is a terrific value. As you say, there's a lot to like about the Prius and the shine has gone off of it uh, and onto battery electrics. And I think that's one of the reasons it's not getting the respect it used to get. Yeah, I think uh, if you're looking uh, for a hybrid, like I said, you can get it in any other vehicle in the lineup. But uh, one attractive variant of the Prius is the Prius Prime now, where you, it's a plug-in hybrid where you can actually plug it into the wall and get about uh, 30 miles of pure electric range out of it. Uh, you do qualify for some of that federal tax credit money for it. Um, so that's another alternative if you want something that's a step between a standard hybrid and, and, a, and a full electric. And it makes sense. I mean, it becomes a, a road trip car that you don't have to worry about um, planning every recharge stop along your, along your uh, journey. Yeah, I agree with that uh, completely. And it, it's kind of a good way to, to test out whether you are a good battery electric candidate is to get the Prius Prime and drive it as an EV as much as you can. Yep. Uh, and you can for a significant period of time. Yeah, it's a great it's a great choice, especially if if it's your primary car only car. I think that that's one of the things that people don't realize about EVs is that they actually make better second cars than they do primary vehicles, given their range and the time it takes to recharge them. Well, I was driving a vehicle way different, uh, a lot more in your face. Uh, than the Toyota Prius. That is the Genesis G80. And this proves that there are still really cool, large luxury sedans out there. And of course, Genesis is going gung-ho against the, the luxury market uh, with this G80. And um, what a, a value this thing offers. I think it's an incredible value because it, it essentially competes with the S-Class Mercedes and BMW 7 Series, those, you know, highly vaunted cars. It offers two different engines. I was driving the one with the 3.5 liter V6, turbocharged V6, which has tons of horsepower, uh, 375 horsepower to be exact. Uh, so very powerful, very comfortable. What an interior too. I mean, uh, Genesis is, is really, um, I think, trying to buy their way into the luxury market by providing uh, incredible value. What's, what's your take on that, man? 
I agree. I, I think that um, uh, they, they represent tremendous value, but I, I'm always struck with how well the cars are designed. They're put together with high quality materials. And the other thing I like, I appreciate about them, and maybe it's just me being an old person, is they haven't gone overboard with the electronics. So there's still quite a bit of analog controls in there. Uh, it has a little bit more of a classic, traditional luxury car look and feel to it that I think um, a lot like uh, Mercedes in particular have left behind with their embrace of digital everything. Yeah. And they're suffering in terms of initial quality because of it, uh, at least in the J.D. Power studies, because people just don't know how the stuff works. And I'll have a little quibble or two with the Genesis G80 on that, too. Uh, but... Uh, I do want to emphasize how comfortable this vehicle is, how much fun to drive it is, how effortless it seems, just all the way around. Just nice ride quality, steering just fine. I, I spent a lot of time on the 101 uh, in this thing and uh, had a lot of time to experience the, the various niceties of the cabin. Uh, just such a high quality looking cabin. Just looks very rich. Uh, it has a 12.3 inch digital gauge cluster, a head-up display, a very useful head-up display too, and um, then a, this giant touchscreen, 14.5 inches wide. It isn't all that tall, but it is a very wide touchscreen, and it can both act as a touchscreen and with a controller. So you can use this controller on the center console, or you can touch various portions of the screen, and sometimes it's just easier to touch it. It, of course, has Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. This is the difficulty I had with it, Matt, and I, maybe you've experienced the same thing in some Genesis vehicles. It has this circular controller on the center console, and it's just totally unintuitive to me. I, I was able to do things I needed to do, but I'm not quite sure how I did them. Uh, and I don't know that I could repeat it necessarily. Uh, what's your take on that? Uh, I agree. But again, I, I one of the things that I like about the Genesis is that they got three levels of, you know, you can change the radio stations using that big dial and all that. But they also have auxiliary switches for the uh, volume control and, and a lot of, you know, like the... Uh, HVAC, stuff like that, that you, you just want to like change a fan speed or something like that. You don't have to go digging through a digital screen to find the right switch. Yeah. I'm just not sure how that, that circular controller works. And, uh, you know, I've spent a, a week in the car and did everything I needed to do, you know, called up Apple CarPlay, mm -hmm. chose roots. It did a lot of stuff actually with voice command as well, which works very, yeah. very well. Uh, and that gets you through it. And uh, but I'm I'm with you. I you know I'm luddite enough to like some uh, dedicated buttons and knobs, and and this certainly had them. In terms of value, the vehicle I was driving uh, is 3.5 T Sport, sixty-five thousand dollar base. Uh, which doesn't seem all that inexpensive, but it is inexpensive compared to the competition. I think it's a, a screaming value. So I think we've got two vehicles here that are very strong values. You know, what's your take on the value of the G80 versus some of the others in the segment, man? Well, I think it's terrific. I mean, you look at all the standard equipment you get, there's not much you can put on these vehicles. They, they come fairly well equipped. And the only real option and which is great for snowbelt states is uh, the fact that you can get all-wheel drive. So it has everything you need out, out of the blocks if you really want to go hog wild on. I think you can upgrade the stereo system or a couple things like that, but it's it's really, really well equipped for that price. 
Yeah, I mean, it has nice stuff. Uh, you can get a panoramic sunroof, ventilated front seats. The front seats actually did this massage thing just, you know, on their own, uh, which was a, a first for me. It decided I was had gone through it enough uh, and did enough bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic that it decided it needed to calm me down a little bit, so it decided to massage my back, Yeah, uh, which is very nice of the car to do. So I, I thought it was a terrific thing. Cool vehicle. And uh, you had a cool vehicle. I had a cool vehicle. Maybe mine was a little cooler than yours, but you're cooler than I am, so it balances yeah, out. Yeah, no, I, I, I think for a longer road trip, I think you probably were a little bit, came out of it a little bit more refreshed and massaged than I did. I was uh, just... Um, in a little tin box, yeah. by comparison. If you got a massage, it was just from the uh, tinniness and the bumpiness of the ride, as opposed to... Exactly. Yeah, the five freeway. Right. Well, when we come back, we will have a great interview uh, with Jim Morrison. He's the head of the Jeep brand in North America. He and I uh, chatted as we drove on a test track. And so we'll give you more of that uh, when we come back. So stay with us for that. With Matt Lorenzo. this is Jack Red with you. And we're so thankful you're with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road for a special interview with Jim Morrison, who is head of the Jeep brand. Uh, thanks so much for being with us, Jim. We do appreciate it. Jack, we're, it's always fun. We're at the, uh, we're having super amount of fun here because we're uh, you are behind the wheel of an electric Jeep Wrangler, and we're at the Chicago Auto Show at a uh, very challenging uh, indoor course. Uh, why don't you describe what we're about to do here, Jim? Well, this is uh, Camp Jeep at Chicago. And, uh, you know, it's uh, like any good um, event, it continues to evolve. We've been here for 18 years, and uh, we've actually brought a new mountain uh, to Camp Jeep this year. It's, uh, it's really quite high. It's 28 feet high. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, they wouldn't raise the roof here at, uh, at the McCormick Center, so we had to, uh, <laughs> you know, keep it under, under 30 feet. But uh, um, within that, we've got lots of ways to demonstrate the four-wheel drive capability. This one is maneuverability. That's important for us and it's part of our trail rated. Right. And, uh, you know, we're kind of quietly tiptoeing through boulders, you know, here. Yeah, I would uh, call them kind of boulders. They almost look like, uh, you know, uh, sewer caps or something like that, but they're yeah. actually boulders sticking out of the ground. And now we're about to go on kind of an oblique angle. Yes. Right? Yeah, breakover is really important to us. And, you know, having a, uh, a a, a Jeep that has got great articulation. This Wrangler's got the sway bars disconnected, so the the tires are staying on the ground as we go over this, you know, 25 degree breakover. You know, it's uh, quite aggressive, but uh, the Jeep does it with uh, with ease. With a plum. Yeah. 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 And just kind of puts all four wheels on the ground and keeps uh, and keeps tracking. And now this is the fun part. And you know, take a look. We will. Uh, we've got a. a you know, pitch and roll meter here, so yeah, we'll, it's pretty uh, daunting to we'll look at, but <laughs> zoom. You know, that went up uh, 40 degrees. Wow, we hit on the way up. Yeah, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll hit it on the on the way down too. Thankfully, I got my my forward-facing camera, so I know kind of exactly where we're going. Right, and uh, notice that it's doing it in complete quiet. You yeah, know, in all electric mode. Right, this uh, this Jeep has got so much torque. Uh, it can do something as aggressive like as that in all electric, which is uh, which is just crazy. In fact, combined, it's 470 pound-feet of torque. It's yeah. the most uh, torque we share it with the 392 and the uh, 470 number with uh, with this uh, electric Wrangler, and and, uh, and that's great. This is another event that we like to do to show off the articulation 
and the stability of uh, of this Jeep. You know, here we have you uh, at a uh, at a, a roll of uh, 28, 30 degrees, and yeah. uh, and then you can pop back down. Yeah. So. Making it very, very simple. And now we're going up stair steps, you know, like we're going up a maybe the U.S. Capitol building or something like that, yes, right? That, you know, we like that because it, you know, harkens back to you know, um, 80 years ago, 1941, the first Jeep kind of climbing the uh, uh, the Parliament buildings and and uh, going, you know, up uh, the stairs. And now we kind of go down, and we're just showing off the ground clearance. I mean, this thing is is uh, over 13 inches of ground clearance, which is really important when you're off-roading to have uh, the ground clearance and it's uh, it's really kind of nice and it does it with ease and most importantly it's done it in complete quiet too you know yeah. and we've kind of crept around this course in all electric mode you know only used uh, you know four percent of the battery and we've had a lot of fun yeah well let's talk about that I mean um, I think maybe some of the uninitiated would say uh, electricity would be a detriment or you know not necessarily an advantage going off-road um, but it turns out to be a major advantage doesn't it, it it does you know and and at jeep we've always you know um looked for ways to put the power to the ground and drive all four wheels better than anybody that's what we do we wake up and try to be the off-road leaders you know we're, we're known for a legendary uh, four-wheel drive capability and we need to stay there and and uh you know as it turns out all of the uh electric instant torque is incredible for off-roading and you know that's why this uh, this Wrangler that we're in uh, has now become America's uh, best-selling uh, plug-in hybrid plug-in hybrid yeah. and uh, and it's because it it adds to the capability of this Jeep and uh, our Jeep customers have always been adding capability uh, and now we've got a uh, a great way to uh, add all that torque as like I said before 470 pound-feet of torque and it's almost instant, right? And uh, and quiet, so you can take your doors off and your top off, and just kind of creep through nature, and and do it in a way that nobody else can. And you can do it in a way where, if you want to, you can drive out to the trailhead uh, using gasoline, and then save your electricity for the trail if you want, right? Yes, that actually is a, uh, one of our really nice features that our customers helped us with. We've got a switch over here. You can put it in hybrid mode and let it decide. You can um, put it in electric mode like we have it now. Or like you just mentioned, Jack, go into e-save mode. And when it's in e-save mode, you can save all of your electric uh, for the trail. Uh, also helps if you want to save it for the city uh, or save it for uh, for later. Um, and uh, it's, it's a great feature. Yeah, I mean, there's some areas where uh and we don't see it in North America so much, and maybe not at all, but uh, in Europe they have areas where you can't drive a, a gasoline car. So uh, the ability to switch over to electric, all electric, is, is a great one kind of worldwide, isn't it? Indeed, it really helps. Let's talk a bit about what's going on uh, with Jeep brand. I mean, you're going to take this technology that's already in the Wrangler and use it across uh, other vehicles in the lineup. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, next up is uh, is the Grand Cherokee. Um, and uh, for those that uh, may not have noticed that are listening, we, we introduced a, um, a range of Grand Cherokees, and uh, the latest of which uh, will be coming to market later this spring, which is the 4xE, or the electric version, uh, same one that we, uh, powertrain that we have here in the Wrangler, that we will uh, have in the in the new Grand Cherokee. So Grand Cherokee uh, also added a three row uh, earlier this year, and um, 
the uh, the new two row is in market now and uh, have to say doing very well we had our best third quarter in fact our best January ever for uh, for the Jeep brand uh, and driven with a lot of uh, electric Wranglers and uh, and the all-new Jeep Grand Cherokee uh, also hit a record so lots of uh, things going on with uh, uh, with with Grand Cherokee and I know loyalty is also important to you so happy to report that uh, unless the wheels uh, fall off and uh, you know, in, in the month of uh, December, when we get reporting here in the next uh, uh, week or so, we'll have won uh, the best with Grand Cherokee loyalty. So, um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of really cool things going on with uh, with the Jeep brand. Well, the Cher Grand Cherokee is such a terrific vehicle and available in kind of two flavors now, right? As a three row for the first time, which yes. is we're going over some bumps, which is why my you know I sound like I'm you know <laughs> somewhat odd as I'm talking. But uh, it's available as a three-row for the first time and also in the traditional two-row. And I think it's maybe one of the best vehicles that's been introduced over the last two or three years. I just think it's terrific in both forms. Yes, no, thank you for that. And, and uh, we're really happy about the, uh, um, the Grand Cherokee. You know, two plants now in Detroit building uh, Grand Cherokees for us, you know, to keep up with demand. And that's one, you know, if you take a look at that thing right there, that interior, I would put toe-to-toe -to -toe with any... Um, utility vehicle or any any vehicle. vehicle yeah i, I mean, would say any vehicle you know my wife has got, gotten into that and, and she never wants to leave it's yes. just so beautiful i love that story yeah. because that's the truth i mean we try to you know make it a comfortable environment but the intention to the detail and the materials are all authentic and and well put together and it just makes you feel nice and comfortable as well it's the perfect size vehicle and now our customers were telling us they wanted a um i wanted a third row as well you know you know, second kid, grandkids, dog, you know, whatever, they needed to grow, but they wanted to stay with the Grand Cherokees. And, you know, for um, for almost 30 years, we hadn't provided that. So for the first time ever, we've got a three-row Grand Cherokee, uh, which is uh, which is really good. And then uh, and then now, you know, with the, um, uh, with the electric coming on stream, you know, we'll have another real uh, solid addition to the, uh, to the range with the, uh, with the new electric uh, Grand Cherokee as well. Let's talk ab about uh, Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer, too. Uh, not precisely Jeeps, I guess, <laughs> but still under your purview, I believe, right? Yes, for sure. You know, uh, the so premium extension of Jeep, they're still Jeep vehicles, seven-slotted grills, trapezoidal wheel openings, and, you know, the uh, proud of the Jeep heritage, for sure. And uh, we're just highlighting that they're Grand Wagoneers. They're a terrific vehicle. I mean, a pair of terrific vehicles. One that competes essentially with vehicles, I guess, like the Chevy Tahoe, Ford Expedition. Uh, that's where the Wagoneer lies. And then the Grand Wagoneer is going up against the, the luxuries. Uh, tell us how you've been able to put some distinction in those two, uh, two models. You know, the, the distinction comes from the outside when you look at them. Um, you know, the way we put Wagoneer uh, on, the, uh, on the hood. Um, the way we add the uh, the body colored uh, accents on the uh, on the roof for the uh, Grand Wagoneer for the Wagoneer, and then there's also uh, side steps on all the Wagoneers and power steps on the on the Grand Wagoneers. So, you know, nice uh, differentiation uh, from the outside. Um, it's got powertrain differentiation uh, as well. The uh, Grand Wagoneer with the uh, the 6.4 um, Hemi and the uh, uh, the Wagoneer with the uh, the 57, uh, both likely to get uh, some upgraded powertrains here later this year. Um, we'll talk about it in New York, maybe. Yeah, I look uh, forward to that. And 
And then in addition to that, it's really when you get inside, the, uh, the differentiation really comes alive because the Grand Wagoneer has got uh, 75 inches of screen, you know, a, uh, a passenger screen, um, 12 inch uh, screen, and then it has a comfort screen as well uh, in, the, uh, in the Grand Wagoneer with the best uh, leather materials, you know, that we could find and all of the technology, whether it be, you know, safety technology or, um, uh, or electronics with, uh, you know, our uh, Macintosh uh, 1375 watt sound system. Um, you know, everything that uh, you could possibly imagine to carry all of your, uh, your stuff um, and people, uh, it actually can tow up to 10,000 pounds as well. So lots of uh, really good, um, um, capability with uh, with the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer. Yeah, and we talked about the Grand Cherokee's interior, truly amazing interiors in both the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer as well. I mean, uh, really uh, stepping up beyond class, I think, in, in both of those instances to, to take a, a class leadership. In, and how important is that uh, these days to have an interior that just, uh, you know, kind of knocks your, your socks off? Well, you know, we... Um we keep getting asked by our customers, you know, they spend so much time in their vehicles and, and it's a, a, a point of pride for them. And, um, you know, we're just happy to produce the, uh, the best interiors uh, in, the, uh, in the world and continue doing it. We uh, got the best design team uh, with Chris and his uh, group leading the uh, Jeep design uh, team and, you know, just really happy to uh, continue to deliver uh, the best interiors in the world. Well, uh, we have come to a stop here with Jim Morrison, the head of the Jeep brand. Thanks so much for being with us. It's always a pleasure. Such a pleasure to talk to you. Jack, great day. Uh, it's good to see you and, uh, you know, love being here in our natural environment at Camp Jeep and, and uh, look forward to, to talking to you again. Yeah, and I wish you a lot of snow over the winter so you can sell more Jeeps. We love snow. It just it makes our, our, uh, our Jeep smile is even a little bit uh, stronger when we get a little bit of snow. So looking forward to it even more. Sounds good. Stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Matt Lorenzo, Jack Nerad back with you. Chris Teague will be with us again next week, but uh, we're so happy to have Matt Lorenzo with us. Uh, adds a lot of insight, uh, uh, an industry veteran as I am, and uh, love to chat about cars with him. And it is question and answer time, and we're going to call on that expertise to answer a question from Stan in Islip, New York. And here's the question Stan asks. A lot of people are saying the switch to electric cars is a done deal, but I'm wondering if it is. EVs are a lot more expensive than gas cars. What do you guys think? I agree, Stan. <laughs> it isn't a done deal. And, you know, for all the pronouncements about everybody's doing electric cars and all that other stuff, if you, I, the, the company I admire right now with a foot in both worlds is Ford. They make no bones that they're going to build a lot of electric vehicles, and they've actually divided the company at a kind of a development level between electric and gas. But they haven't said they're they're getting rid of gas vehicles. And you look right now, the Bronco, uh, the full-size pickup, that's where the money is. And uh, if you live in an apartment, if you live in rural Montana, if you live uh, anywhere cold, really cold an electric vehicle might not be the right choice for you at this point given the current state of the technology and even some of the stuff that we see coming down the road 
Yeah, and I, I have to agree, Matt. And it's I think it's not because you and I are against electric vehicles. I think there's a lot to love about electric vehicles. I think their drivability is wonderful. I, You know, the driving experience in electric is terrific. I just look at the dollars and cents of this thing, and you and I have been around this industry a long time, and we know that the bottom of the market, vehicles under $30,000, is a big portion of the market, and you're just not going to find electric vehicles uh, being competitive down there in the market, are you? Well, yes and no. I mean, here's a shameless plug on my part. I just bought a Leaf, a Nissan Leaf S, and I paid about $30,000 for it. And I got a tax credit and I get a state rebate of $2,000. So my out the door cost is at the end of the day, it's going to be about $20,000. Now, granted, it only has 149 mile range, but I don't drive as much as I used to anymore. And it fits my lifestyle. So my point is there needs to be more of them uh, if they're ever going to have an impact. But there there are some out there and you can you can do it, but it's just not for everyone. And I think I think that's the problem. Everybody looks at it as an uh, as a uh, all or nothing proposition. And to me, it's uh, uh, some of all of the above. Yeah, I think I'm an all of the above guy, too. And well, that is our show for this week. And my profound thanks to Matt DiLorenzo for stepping in as guest host. He did a terrific job and we love having him on the show. I hope we can do this again, Matt. I'm glad, glad to come back. Thanks, Jack. And uh, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, All of you out there listening to America on the Road, we do appreciate it. We appreciate the SportsMap Radio Network stations that carry our show. And uh, look for our podcasts out there on all the major podcast outlets, America on the Road. And uh, join us again next week right here for another edition of America on the Road. I'm Jack Nerad. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury. So imagine how much you can save. Get a quote today at MercuryInsurance.com. And if you are looking to buy a new car, a used car, simply care about cars, want to learn more about cars, go to DrivingToday.com. A lot of excellent information at DrivingToday.com. It's the official automotive website of America on the road. That's drivingtoday.com.